Welcome to the You Bet Smart podcast. We got our new artwork up from last time. Uh, this is going to be a weird one. It's just me and Chris on this one. I'm Scott, You Bet Smart podcast. Chris, our producer, he gets all the great guests. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. All right. Well, I want to say one thing. I Doing the intros last week, I... It was the MMA podcast, and I didn't even introduce our <laughs> guest. I introduced everybody else, I think, but not our guest. Did I introduce you? Uh, I don't think you introduced anybody, but <laughs> but uh, Parrish's name was on the episode. So, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Well, the fights are tonight. The fights are going to uh, start in the prelims are already started. And the fights are tonight. You can listen to that podcast last week and get all of our picks. Parrish was plus $650 if you do $100 bets the week before. But I didn't introduce him. Parrish, I'm sorry. I'm introducing you now. I'm sure you're going to do great on your bets, but I hope I beat you. Um, there's no Jake. Last podcast, um, I said jokingly that he died. And then... <laughs> It actually happened. And I can't believe... Oh, no, he did Let's call... We should just call him. Yeah. Let's call him right call now. Him. So Jake is at a festival right now. <laughs> the 42-year-old man at a festival. He's at the Lucidity Festival in Santa Barbara. Let's call him and yeah. see what he's doing. It's like a Bernie Man festival. So I, he said he maybe would answer. So let's see. All right. So he's... Uh, I got to find Jake. He's uh, He's probably pretty lucid right now. Being at the Lucidity, what is it called? Uh, is it a podcast or is it a festival? Festival. Hello, Jake. What's up? What's up, man? Are you? Uh, where you're at the festival right now? Yes, sir. I'm hey, at the Lucidity Festival in Santa Barbara. Hey, we're at, we're doing the podcast right now. Okay. <laughs> How, How, man? Uh, well, we just started it, so it's it's gone pretty good so far. <laughs> but uh, okay. but wh- how is the festival? Uh, it's pretty amazing, man. There's a lot going on. There's uh, almost like a mini Burning Man theme. There's just people dressed up all crazy and all kinds of stuff going on. What are you dressed up as? Uh, myself. As a <laughs> smart client or employee, I should say. <laughs> you the uh, capper? You're like, what? Yeah, there you go. Everybody keeps on coming up to you like, what are you? I'm like, I'm a capper. What the, <laughs> exactly. fuck? What the fuck you think I am? Yeah, I'm a little under, uh, underdressed for the event. Hey, we're doing we're doing the podcast, so we just want to uh, just do the intro of the podcast. Later on in the podcast, we interviewed Michael Fiddle from Sports Ethos and the Advantage podcast. I know you're a big fan, and we interviewed him later. So that's really exciting. I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, but we but before we want to go over our ten thousand dollar bankroll, and we have a question about the baseball bot, the player prop bot, for you before we go into that interview. Um. How's your $10,000 bankroll going? Uh, it just jumped up a little bit this last week. It's up to the $10,000 bankroll is up $15,734 or a 157% ROI. It's, I'm sorry. I, I wasn't listening. What did you say? It, it's, it's up uh, $15,734 or 157% ROI. And that's got to be, I think last week you were up like 10,000. So you went, you had like a $5,000 jump approximately in the last week. Uh, it's probably at least 3,000. And then some of it's on the tail end of last week, too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, You're on fire. Yeah, it's moving in the right direction. I'm also getting excited about the baseball bot that's 
should be ready, and I expect to have some props out very, very soon for that. All right. Well, we hear you now. I hope I hope we can hear you before. Well, I just oh, will are you still there? Can you hear? I can't hear. Yeah, we can might have to start this out. over. Let me hold on. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, there you are. <laughs> so, um, have have you placed any player prop bets at the Lucidity Festival on 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 the people that are there? Uh, I haven't pushed anybody to make any bets, but I've placed some myself for sure. No, I mean, like, um, have you placed any bets on like whether or not someone's going to die or anything like that? <laughs> uh, I think they got it under control here. They got the ambulances and uh, security everywhere. But yeah, you probably still want to take the over on on that. <laughs> I mean, what is the over? Like three and a half people? <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's got to be. I know I'd probably be one of them because I get a little crazy <laughs> when I party. How is the yeah, base? How is the baseball bot going? Uh, it's going great. We have the MLB strikeout over and under bot ready to go. So before we recommend any, I just wanted to get a little bit more data because there's only like one or two games pitched from each pitcher. So uh, it's ready to go, and I'll start working on the MLB uh, batter bot as well. So. We'll have MLB locked down pretty soon. Yeah, I was gonna say I I um I thought I was gonna throw you a curveball, but you already mentioned it. So you're also gonna do batters too coming up. Yeah, yeah, I'll do uh the total bases and I think the other one's hits. So yeah, they have yeah. a lot for batters. I'm excited. Yeah, we should have three different bots: uh, one for strikeouts, one for hits, and one for total bases. So right on. When do you think that's going to be ready? Uh, the pitcher one will be ready. I, I we might even throw some out this week, so don't be surprised if you see some coming out soon. <laughs> nice. I didn't mention my bankroll. My bankroll I think is about the same as it was last time. It might be down like a thousand or two. So okay. I'm up. Uh, my ten thousand dollar bankroll is around thirty thousand, uh, thirty one thousand five hundred. So I think I'm down like fifteen hundred on the week. All right. Well, I don't know. We're killing it. We're getting closer to that next level up. So, when are we going to do the next level up? That's a really good question. So, um, originally, I think we said so we had 20,000 and then we leveled up at 45,000. And yeah. then originally, I thought we said we would do the next one at 85,000. Does that ring a bell? That's, that's fine. I, I wouldn't even mind a little bit more cushion, but. Yeah, I feel like we should be there in the next couple months at this pace. <laughs> what if we did a hundred thousand just to give us that, cushion? That's better. I like to cushion, to be honest. Yeah, that gives me more flexibility to raise the stars. Exactly. We can always just throw out a bunch of five stars. <laughs> I'm, exactly. I, I, I'm interested to see what Michael Fiddle feels about five unit bets. Well, yeah, it's it's a bit extreme for most people, but we've done well in the past with it. We don't use it very often. Yeah. All right. So we'll do a hundred thousand. When we reach a hundred thousand, we'll get up there. Um, and the baseball bat, baseball bot is coming out soon. Yes, sir. I nice. would expect some picks out this week. So I'm really excited about it. Nice. And, All right. Uh, I'm stoked to hear about your uh, progress with the your bankroll and having Michael Fiddle on. And I can't wait to listen to the show. I think it's going to be a good one. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy it. Um, I'm excited about it. And uh, yeah, Michael Fiddle, he 
He's affiliated with sportsethos.com. You can actually, they have a, listen to this, Jake, you love uh, deals. They, it's $15 a month to get all their picks and they're doing a thing where it's 75% off. So uh, what does that come out to? I don't know, $4 and 50 cents or something like that. $3 and 50 cents. Just for the first month, which is way okay. cheaper than us. I don't know. If you sign up at UBetSmart, I mean, we'll maybe give you $25. We're not doing $3.50. We give out more yeah. picks, though. But, um, yeah, he, that's true. He, yeah, so he's affiliated with Sports Ethos, and then he's also the Advantage podcast. I know you're a fan of the Advantage. Yeah, I've been listening, and I plan on going through all of them. I've been actually recommending it to other people. The the cool thing is he does a couple different things kind of like we do. So he does um, podcasts where it's just for that day where he sends out picks for the NBA for that day. So end of the season, he's obviously going to take a little bit of time off until NFL comes back around because he does NFL too. But then he also does these podcasts where he kind of covers sports betting in general. And so he does two different things. And I, I enjoy the ones where he does sports betting in general. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know, it's, it's nice listening to his different approach on futures and line movement stuff. And I don't know, I can't wait to learn more. Yeah, he has a lot of stuff. So Michael Fiddle's coming up next. Jake, have fun at the podcast. You're not at a podcast. You're at a festival. <laughs> I might be at a festival, by the way, I'm talking. <laughs> have fun at the yeah. festival. Don't die, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the, the under on me. I'm good. Okay. So, <laughs> you, yeah, I'll tell right, you guys. what. You sound yeah. good. All right. Thanks, fellas. I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right. Have fun, man. Have Bye. a good one. Bye. Later. Jake. All right. That's Jake at the Lucidity Festival. Sounds like he's having fun. Um, but we're going to get into Michael Fiddle, Sports Ethos, the Advantage podcast. Um, I hope you really enjoy this one. We're really getting to the weeds. And I, I, I want him to ha- be on our podcast in the future. Uh, because I think there's a lot of stories that he has. I think that there's a lot more that we can get into, but enjoy the interview with Mike Fiddle. So I am here with Michael Fiddle from Sports Ethos and the Advantage podcast. How you doing, Michael? I'm good. Thanks for having me on today, Scott. Thanks for coming on. Um, I have a quick, I, I want to get into a lot of stuff. Um, I want to hear about your background and how you got into sports betting. But first, I just want to clear up something. It, I listened to a lot of your podcast on The Advantage, and I was a little unclear about how you feel about parlays. How do you feel about parlays? <laughs> I, I appreciate you bringing me on and then cursing at me within the first 30 seconds live on air. <laughs> I, uh, I always say parlay is a, a sin in the sports gambling world. It is an absolute curse word. We were just talking off air that if you can bet on sports, you can say the word fuck or shit, or you could occasionally curse. Like I was apologizing. It might come out of me. I, I'm sorry. But Parlay is like really the one word that I do not want to hear. Uh, I will not be recommending any parlays. If you enjoy shooting yourself in the foot, I mean, if you enjoy going a little Plaxico Burris on yourself, then you can play <laughs> parlays. But we, from a, from a, like, if you give me two seconds to explain the math behind it, a, a two leg parlay has four possible outcome combinations, but they only give you a 2.6x on the multiplier if you're just taking straight minus 110 odds. A 10 leg parlay 
has 1,024 possible outcome combinations, but 645x on the multiplier. So really, these multipliers are nothing but traps and lost values, and they look super pretty. They look intriguing, but they are nothing but that, like traps and ways to get you. Well, I do want to get into more uh, parlays a little bit later when we talk about betting strategy, and I wanted to talk a little bit about... Um, the six different types of betters that you went over in one of your podcasts. Yeah. And we could probably get a little bit more into parlays later. Um, one thing I do want to do is I want to give you a hypothetical scenario a little later on about parlays. And I want you to see, I want you to tell me if it's, if that is an actual parlay that you would do. Okay. I know you're like a hundred percent, like it, there are no parlays, but maybe there is like one kind of like a boost um, that you, that might work. And so I know you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that I, I work for sports ethos. I give out picks pretty much daily. I'm, I handicap NFL and NBA. I've been doing it publicly in the content creating space for a little over a year now, been doing it personally for 11 seasons, uh, just in the picks that I've given out. I think I've given out like 1200 picks so far in the last year and year plus. And I think four of them have been parlays. So there are Certain instances in which you do want to fiddle around, no pun intended, and throw in a parlay, but um, they're few and far between. So if you happen to hit one of those with your hypothetical, we'll get into it. What is it? What What was the one? Do you remember which one it was? So or I, actually why? Just put, I actually just put one in a few days ago, and it was parlaying Joel Embiid MVP when he was I, – I actually caught it live – when he was mid first quarter, he had scored 18 in the first quarter. He was putting up 52 against the Celtics recently. He was a minus 200 in the MVP going into the game. And it was like clearly a storyline cinching playing against the Celtics, securing, you know, the three seed locking in that they're going to play the Nets in the first round. Jokic had been sitting the last few games. Giannis had, had, had lost a few recently. Giannis had just lost by 41 to this Celtics team. And here's Joel putting up 52 against them in a win. I was like, okay, here's the narrative ceiling deal of Joel Embiid. And I happened to notice that on FanDuel, you could parlay the awards. And Paolo Bancaro was sitting there at Rookie of the Year, albeit minus 4,500. So I always calculate implied probabilities. If you give me one second, I could do it right now. The implied probability of Paolo Boncaro at a minus 4,500 is 97.8% chance to hit. And I personally think it was already a wrap. I think Paolo could have sat out the next few games. I think who's possibly second, Jalen Williams of the Thunder. He could have had you know, a Kobe-esque 81-point game, I still didn't think that was putting him over the top. So I thought that race was completely settled. So I was simply throwing in the parlay leg because I thought one storyline was completely over. I didn't even consider it like a gambling leg, but I added it in simply to reduce the the payout that I was getting on Joel Embiid. And I think the important thing is that you did the math on it. That's, that's all. If you're going to do a parlay, you have to do the math and it has to make sense mathematically. Does that does that sound right? Yeah, I'll take you one further. If you're going to put in a bet, if you're going to just submit the, the submit the button and make it a pending wager, you better be doing anything more than just the eye test and just the this is what I think is going to happen. This is what I assume this line says. And I oh, this team is plus five and a half. That doesn't seem right. I'm going to hit it. Boom. You better be doing more than just looking at the lines and thinking that looks nice. So let's get into that. Who does the eye test? Are, the, are there betters out there that just do the eye test? 
No, this is this is ring one of the six levels of sports betters. Certainly the public. Uh, those are those are the I call them the hooligans. I know everyone wants to call them the public betters. I just think they're total buffoons. So we should call them what they are. We should put a little damper on their parade. Public public just sounds like, you know, I go to the concerts with the public. We all have a good time. Sports betting world. I want nothing to do with those. I understand that public people have to be in the market for me to capitalize off them because the way the the house operates and don't get yourself twisted. Like the house is one of the types of gamblers in the sports market. There's plenty of times where the book is willing to say, let's, let's gamble. Let's, and those are, maybe we'll get into those in a bit, but yeah, public is definitely the people who are doing the eye test. The people who are taking juiced alternate lines. That's like the biggest, remember those Scott, you remember those commercials where you like smack your forehead and you're like, you should have had a V8 and like drink your, drink your vegetables. And it's just like, Oh no. Uh, that's what I think when everyone's taking like Giannis Antetokounmpo over 20 points, it's because it's juiced to minus 2000 and his real over under is 36 and a half for the game. And let me parlay it with the Bucks money line, because if the Bucks win, Giannis is definitely going to score. Okay. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Like it's, it's such lost value to be start slamming these SGPs together to be, eye testing these things to be coming up with storylines in your head the playing team psychologist is a classic um uh public play oh so and so's mad that he got snubbed from the all-star game so they're going to come out and go over on their points total don't 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 come at me with that i want to hear about matchups i want to hear about the the defender on the other side i want to hear about the way they this defense situates themselves to play against guards i want to hear about pace i want to hear about how they close out on three pointers i want to hear about where the total is going is the total going up or is the total going down if i if i'm targeting a player prop if i'm targeting someone's over i'd hope that the game total is also going from 232 to 234 and a half so there are things like that. If I'm just looking at lines, you're doing yourself a disservice. So you don't you don't want to be a hooligan. Um, and we'll get into a little bit later. We'll get into like what you actually do want to do or what type of better you might want to be. Um, I know there's like a couple different types. Uh, but how did you get into sports betting? What what brought you into this world? I, the origin story is definitely a, a good one, a funny one. Um, so my mom was dating a guy and he. It, his name was Stuart. Well, shout out to Stuart. Um, he wanted to get like become a better friend with me. Like he wanted to like be a, a, you know, the mother's boyfriend who's like trying to get to know the kid pretty well. And I was like a freshman in college at this point. So it's like 13, 14 years ago. You guys can all date me with my age. And um, so he like set up an online, be- online betting account. And that was when you had to go to Western Union set up a deposit to like some offshore account, like send in your ID, your credit card, like wire money to like some offshore place. It wasn't as simple as signing up for FanDuel or signing up for DraftKings. So he really put in the effort to set up a sports betting account. And then of course, whenever I would go to his house, whenever we would hang out together, whenever we would catch a football game, we'd, he was a Ravens season ticket holder. So we'd often go to the Ravens games, but we would, you know, throw 50 bucks on a game, a hundred bucks here or there. And he put, you know, 500 bucks in a sports betting account. And he's like, let's have fun with it when we're together. We'll put money on the games that we're watching. So this is like when Oklahoma City had Durant and Harden and we're taking them against Dirk and the Mavs on a Thursday TNT game. And, you know, I was I was fascinated by it. I was immediately like 
I don't know. I don't know why me personally took this approach, but I, I don't know. I'm always someone who's taken to like puzzles and to figuring things out and to always solving things. Like I, I, I could, t- I could teach myself the Rubik's cube when I was a kid. So like, I was always putting pieces together. My my immediate instinct when I learned about sports betting was not to go with my own sports takes. It was to start understanding this place as a market. So I actually went back to college. I said I was freshman in college at the time. And I called my mom and I said, do you think Stuart would give me the login and password to that sports betting account? I want to start like watching the games and doing it with my friends and having fun here and throwing 50 bucks on a game here and there. I definitely did not understand unit distribution and bankroll management and throwing a hundred dollars when there's $500 in your account is hooligan type level stuff. Uh, maybe we'll get into some bankroll management in a bit too, depending on how much time we got. But um, I ended up going to the library when I was a freshman in college I started tracking professional handicappers. I had Google Excel sheets tracking everything that they were doing. I was watching their YouTube videos. I was studying odds makers and how they even post lines. I was going through so much things. I was tailing professionals. And when I say tailing professionals, Scott, I don't mean they got the line at 230 and I took it at 231 and a half. Like I would only take the bet if I was getting the exact same line at the exact same odds. Because if I did that over time, if they have a 56% hit rate, no matter what bets that I choose, I should also pick off relatively a 56% hit rate. So I started understanding the math behind this, that when you're playing lines, you need above a 52.4% threshold to be profitable. That's like the key number if you're popping minus 110 lines, which is the standard odds. And I built that bankroll to $18,000 very quickly. So no parlays, straight bets only, uh, definitely got lucky, definitely didn't have my unit distribution at a low exposure level like I like to now. But I was able to like really build that up and I knew it wasn't a fluke. And this was around the time that the DFS world was starting up. So I got like really got my hands dirty in doing NBA and NFL daily fantasy stuff. And this was like before everyone and their mom had an algorithm or could just subscribe to an algorithm and then pop out a formula lineup. So I was so ahead of the curve in the DFS space. So it was really great. I absolutely crushed. And I realized like my brain really situates well with this market. And I started investing a lot of my time there. I started making more money there than I was at, you know, the normal day job. What happened to that 18,000? Did you get to keep that or did your mom's boyfriend take it? So my mom and Stuart eventually broke up, RIP to that relationship. I think it's, it's all for the best now. Uh, I'm not going to get into it. I don't even think I even know the details of, of all of it. I'm just a, a son in the, in the corner. Um, but I actually never, I never spoke to Stuart again after, uh, they broke up. So I never even, I would imagine that money is still sitting in that account and he probably has no idea either, but like, I wasn't going to make a fuss over, over the, over the money when my mom was like, they were actually engaged and broke it off not to get too deep into it. So like there was, there was some level of like, this is a serious breakup. So I'm not going to, you know, talk about the gambling money. And again, offshore accounts, his ID, his credit card, his bank information. Like I wasn't going to get into it. So I let it go. I opened up my own sports betting account with $300 and I've been building it back up ever since and doing incredibly well too. Yeah. And it kind of, uh, it kind of shows you the passion that you have for it that you saw right away because you weren't doing it for the money to collect the money you were doing it. At, it's like a game to you and yep. you just wanted to like solve that puzzle, Yep, which makes sense. So how did you get, I'm going to jump ahead to, um, 
I'm going to jump ahead again. And I know by listening to your podcast that you are, you consider yourself a line movement better at at the core. I'm sure you do a little bit of everything. Like you said, it's like an Olympic ring. How did you get from 10 years ago when you had that account with your mom's boyfriend to align movement better? How did that evolve through the years? Was there anything like in particular that happened or did, was it just a slow roll? I would, I, I would say it's probably a little bit of a slow roll and a ramp up and just starting to understand and just constantly observing. There was, it took a lot longer back then than I would think it would take me now or just an average Joe Schmo now because there's so much more information and outlets into the gambling market, into what reverse line movement is, into fan duel reporting, the betting splits and understanding this. So like there's so much more to that you can actually understand. Now, when I was started off and when I described that like Olympic ring and I described the six different types of handicappers and I suggest anyone listening to this, go check that out because it's really important to understand yourself as a handicapper. Where do you thrive? Where do you, where do you succeed? And then when you're following people on Twitter or listening to other people's podcasts, you want to know how they view themselves and where they succeed and how, you know, what kind of, if you're leaning on other people for their advice, you want to understand their style of handicapping as well. So I described the public, which we talked about hooligans doing dumb shit, like playing parlays and doing the eye test. The second ring up from that is, is trends betting, which is something I, I actually have come to despise. And they're the people who say like, uh, Andrew Nemhart has played, you know, the Pacers are tanking. So Nemhart has played 30 minutes in his last 12 games. And if he keeps getting this type of playing time, he should score over on his points prop. And I'm like, okay, I, I hear you, but that's certainly all priced into the line. Like if you don't think that the book priced in Andrew Nemhart's last 12 games into what his prop line is for this game, I mean, you're, you're crazy. If you think you can do it better than the books, you're even crazier than the first crazy. So then I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm definitely not studying box scores to then get the next edge. So then what is the edge that you can get? And there's two things that I really like doing. There's, there's systems that you can play and line movement capping. So I'll go into line movement capping, which is when a line is posted, it moves all over the place, right? This is a market. It, it, it essentially imitates a supply and demand market. The basic premise of a sports book is that they want to get equal exposure on both sides of the line. They want to have the losers of the bet pay the winners and they take a 10% winning tax. That's why the 110 to win 100. It's essentially a 5% tax from everyone betting because they don't know who's going to be on the winning side, who's going to be on the losing side. So the house takes a 5% cut of all bets and their basic models to have equal money on both sides of a line. And therefore it is a market and therefore the lines are going to move. So my whole point as a line movement capper is to understand that um, let's use the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat as examples, Scott, because they are going to face off in the first round. So I assume when people listen to this podcast, they're going to be capping some Celtics heat in the near future. So let's assume that the Celtics are the, you know, the home court game one and the line opens at Celtics minus six and a half, Right. That's the case. I will be hopping on that immediately, right away, if that's the line that drops out. Because I have a strong suspicion, and there's a lot of other gambling indicators that I track. There's a lot of other line movement trends that you can become aware of that you could latch onto that can show and be 
I say indicators because they start to tell a story, right? You're using the betting splits to come in to indicate what's going to happen in the market. So, uh, can you, can you get into what the indicators are? Yes. Okay. Give me one second. Okay. Sorry. So I'll, I'll use these indicators and I'll say, I see this line at minus six and a half at minus one ten. But if this line gets to minus eight and a half by tip off, right? So that way the the live line is eight and a half, but I'm holding a six and a half ticket. I have two points of CLV, which stands for closing line value. So I'm two points ahead of the market. So then if I dig a little deeper into that and I say, okay, a normal minus one ten bet has a 52.4% implied probability. And implied probability is not the chance that the bet has to hit because obviously it's a 50-50 when you're just taking the standard line that's live. But implied probability is the needed hit rate for you to be break even or slightly profitable, right? So on minus 110 lines, you need to hit 52.4 or more to be profitable, 52.38 if we're really getting in the weeds. And then So what I do is say, okay, I want to grab this minus six and a half because if at tip it's minus eight and a half, you could then look for the alternate spread. So the alternate spread and go find the line that I have. So I'm going to find the six and a half as an alternate spread in the market and I'll see it's at like minus 140, right? Because now if you're betting and you're coming into the market when the live line is eight and a half, and you want to make it two points better for yourself, you're going to have to increase the juice that you are paying. Correct? You follow me, Scott? I'm following. All right. I hope I'm not making this too con- too confusing. Not so, at all. Not at all. It might be a little bit into the weeds for our listeners, but I don't care. Um, okay. You got me on the edge of my seat. So a minus 140 line has an implied probability of 58.3%. So if that line at minus six and a half moves to minus eight and a half, and then I go find the minus six and a half again. And instead of being at minus 110, it's actually at minus 140. So now I am walking into tip off. I'm going into the game before the game even starts. I am holding a ticket that holds, has an implied probability of 52.4%. But if you look at the live lines for that current game before it even starts, the actual implied probability of my ticket is 58.3%, but I only need a hit rate of 52.4 to be profitable. So that difference is my plus expected value. So what I'm constantly doing and the way that I'm evaluating myself as a better is saying, I don't care what happens in the game. I don't care if I lose that game. One game sample size, move on. Don't ca- miss me with that. I don't care what happens. You're not someone who tells me, that I'm on, you know, if I'm clearly crushing CLV, but I still get my bet wrong. If someone tells me I was on the wrong side, I say, no, I was on the right side because I'm walking into that game with a plus expected value ticket. And if you're doing this for 11 seasons, like I have, I have never had a losing season because over time in the long run, month by month, if you have 7% expected value on all of your bets, or you just have more bets with plus CLV than minus CLV with plus EV tickets, then you are going to be profitable in the long run. So my whole concept of betting is to find these indicators, which we could certainly get into, understand the direction that the market is moving, get in as the wave is going, and then before tip-off, be ahead of the market. And as long as I've done that, I've done my job. That makes sense. So can I give you an example of one that I saw just recently? Um, I saw one of your tweets 
uh, maybe a couple days ago. It was an Orlando Magic game. You tweeted out the night before that the over under was two twenty three. Yeah, and the and the the line came off the board, and you said when it comes back on, it's probably going to be two twenty one and a half, and I'm going to jump on it. Yep. And that line continued to go down through the next 24 hours, all the way down to 213. And then yep. it came like back up to 214 before tip off, maybe 214 and a half. Where did it land? I think it was 214 and a half. It depends on what the book was. But but what what made you say that? What made you send that tweet out? How did you know that it was going to come back to 221 and a half and then jump and then continue to go down? I was line shopping. So you were line shopping. So what does that mean? So I had six different sports books open. I had all the odds up. Or you can go to a go to a website like Odd Shark or Action Network or Don Best. You could find these resources that post every single line that's currently available. So I can I could go by state and I could I could see I'm in California, so I'm in a illegal betting state, but I do my bets through New Jersey. So I'll go to the New Jersey site. I will see where BetMGM has it in Jersey, where WinBet has it in Jersey, where Caesars, where FanDuel, where DraftKings, where PointsBet, where all of these sites have it. So I saw FanDuel, 223, DraftKings, 223, Caesars, 223, PointsBet, 221.5. Now, I know from doing this, Sharps loves PointsBet. They have a high limit. So if you're seeing a movement at PointsBet, because they have a high opening limit, that's probably sharp action hammering a line with big money. And if a line is moving two and a half, one and a half points without ticking down, without going half a point, half a point, half a point, trying to even, if it's just jumping a point and a half immediately, the rest of the market is sure to catch up. These lines, we use the term moving on air. The FanDuel line will move without taking in the money because they know Points bet took in the money. DraftKings will then move even lower than FanDuel because they're moving lower and points bet's moving lower. So now DraftKings wants to get ahead of it and get to 220. And then Caesars wants to get to 219. And then you have a cascade of line movement and it happening. And that's where you want to say, I want to get ahead of the wave before it moves too much. So that line, I think it moved all the way down to 213 and a half. And then the game ended at 214. So if you are... Uh, a follower of mine on Twitter. I, I actually know some people that you know f- follow a lot of my picks, and I actually wasn't able to get that bet in myself because I passed out before that tweet. I woke up the next oh. morning, I saw it at two nineteen. Uh, but one of my followers had reached out to me and say, "Hey, I saw it pop back up, and I grabbed it, and now it's at two fourteen. And they're like, "Hey, I'm grabbing the over at two thirteen and a half." And they opened up a middle for themselves. And they ended up middling it and hitting the 214 over their 213 and a half and their under of the 221 and a half. So it was a, that one was a beautiful one. That's great. Glad you picked that example. Yeah, that was a really, it was an extreme example, but um, it kind of like captures what you do, the whole, everything that you do. Yeah, but honestly, Scott, not too extreme this year because the amount of scoring that's been happening in the NBA has been causing totals to move wildly. Like the movement this year in totals has been six points like every game. And then you get all these rest DNPs then these late scratches and these totals drop like wildfire. And so what I'm trying to figure out right now, and I honestly don't know the answer to this is at what point do we then, is it smart to open a middle, right? So if I'm holding, let's keep using this example. If I'm holding that under 221 and a half ticket, 
or even if I jumped in on the opening line and I got the 223 before the, the books took it off, right? Because they saw points bet took a huge sum, moved it two points. They took it off to say, okay, wait, let's, let's evaluate what's happening. Maybe I got it before they took it off because I could see the movement when they could see the movement. We're all, you know, we're all on their website. So it's not like points bets calling up FanDuel and says, hey, we just got a, we just got a big bet on the under here. So we're moving it. No, they're, they're in competition with one another. They don't care. So, uh, I could have gotten the opening line. So, so, but let's say I got the 221 and a half and then I saw it steaming down 219, 218, 214 at a certain point, 213 and a half. Do I let my positive CLV ticket ride? Because when you have that kind of CLV, when you have like eight points of CLV, you're probably looking at your live odds being closer to like minus 200, which will have like a 66% implied probability. Now you have a plus 14% EV from your 52.4 that you need. So I'm sorry if I'm getting too, too crazy with the No, math. you're good. Okay. At what point do you then say it's actually beneficial to open up a middle? Because anytime you then bet the other side, you're inherently reducing your expected value, right? Anytime you hedge and bet the other side, or you want to open a middle or lock in profit, there's a part of you that's reducing your value. But the math of middling says it's a 5% implied probability, because if you have a minus 110 line on both sides, and you middle it, you're guaranteed to win one, lose one. So, but you could win both. So you, the max you're going to lose is one tenth of a unit, assume you you bet 1.1 to win one on both sides. The max you're going to lose is one tenth of a unit, and the max you're going to win is two units. So you have a 20x on your uh, wager to potential winning, which is a 5% implied probability. So if you could tell me, Scott, that the, an NBA game has a 5% chance of landing between that 213, 214, 215, 216, 217, 218, then yeah, then it's worth it to open up a middle. So I'm actually. That's so what's like, the. What's the math on that? Is it if it was two thirty? If you had a two thirteen to two twenty three gap, that's ten points. Maybe that's the, that's the extreme you could have no, got. That, I mean, it's it's definitely worth percent. But you got to do the math, right? It's definitely above five percent, right? But the question is, will that value exceed the value that you're foregoing by just letting your already positive CLV ticket ride? Right. Is that is that just so? If it was plus fourteen EV. And you do you take off five off of that because you're giving off five points by taking the other side? Is it just I, I, fourteen minus five? So it's nine EV. I don't know. What the, I have. I haven't done. The I don't know. I would. I honest. I don't think it's that straightforward. I would have it to do be. more. I think you then have to consider the implied probability of the other line that you're taking. And I actually think oh, the yeah. better way to do this is probably with spreads than with totals because an NBA game can land anywhere from one eighty to 250 and we're not going to be too surprised right that's the same thing with nfl like the the totals in the games much more all over the place than a point spread so i could tell you right now scott a one point game in the nba is the 11th most common outcome with a 4.1 percent chance of happening you know a lot about that you go 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 ahead so like you a a seven is the most common outcome a five is the most common spread that pushes so like i know what is a quote unquote key number in the NBA. Those don't exist for totals. So if I got a line that moved from minus three and a half, and then it moved to minus eight and a half, maybe because 
you know, the Bucks are on the road and then decided to rest Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton. So Giannis is playing, but whatever. So it, it moved to minus eight and a half and the Bucks are now catching plus eight. They're, say they're in Denver or whatever. And I had Denver minus three and a half. I know that the four most common outcomes in NBA games are seven, five, six, eight in that order. So if I could get a three and a half and then I can get an eight and a half, I know that there's like a 20% chance of that happening. And then we have to also add in the caveat that in addition to these numbers that I'm giving you, like a, a game at one has a 4.1% chance of happening. A game at one has a 4.1% chance of happening, regardless if the spread is minus 15 or minus nine or minus seven and a half. What if the spread is minus one? Then it has a bigger chance of, li- of landing. What if this, the spread moved from a pick to a minus three? Does that have a higher percentage of landing at one than a spread that moved from minus 13 to 15? Yes, and I understand the numbers behind that as well. So some of my off-season project is really going to be diving into the math of middling and coming up with some sort of system to, to understand how to play the amount of line movement uh, better from a math perspective. This year, I've just been letting my amazing CLV tickets ride and not opening too many middles, and it's been working fantastically. I'm up over like 40 units in the NBA season alone, and I'm someone who bets like half a unit or three quarters of a unit, so I'm not giving out five unit lock of the day play on Twitter, like a complete buffoon. Um, so being over 40 units has been a hell of a ride. It sounds like, uh, yeah, it sounds like you're onto something with the spreads because you can do the math a little bit easier. So it's to start at the spreads rather than doing over unders where the math is a little crazy with, you know, all the numbers with the NBA and it sounds like with the NFL too, is that why you only do those two sports? Is I because those, I only do those because that's what I watch. <laughs> um, okay, so you you watch the games too? Yeah, uh, less than less than you would think. To be honest, I would assume people who listen to my podcast think I'm like ball hawking and watching every NBA night in line. Like I certainly don't. Um, I watch the marquee games. I love NBA playoffs. I love uh, some of the NFL primetime games. I'm not going to be spending eight hours at my tv on a sunday at one o'clock that's just not who i am as a person i'll go for a hike and whatever but uh yeah i I, those are the only sports that i watch so like i don't i definitely don't i used to work in sports i've worked for the brooklyn nets i've worked for the yankees i've worked for the islanders i did not bet in sports while i was collecting a check from a professional sports team i'll throw that out there um what did you do i was uh one of the guys who helped all the charity work so when i was with the nets it was actually an awesome job so like if the players were going to read to the kids at a children's hospital, whether they're going to serve food to the homeless at a, at a Thanksgiving soup kitchen or something like that. I would actually plan the events, grab the players from practice, take them to the event, schedule the NBA cares media to come do the whole thing, get the players in like a little high five line or picture op or, you know, it was really fun. So I had a, it sounds like a, that sounds like a great job. sounds like a dream job. Yeah. It was a dream job that paid, booty cheeks i'd say uh, okay i was gonna it say was, did was, you give was, that up just to bet on sports no uh i gave <laughs> that up because i actually i then went and worked for mike bloomberg uh at in new york the former mayor i worked for his company bloomberg doing a similar thing helping with the charity stuff and they had a a much bigger budget and when they offered me a salary i took it back to the yankees who were who were trying to keep me and i said this is what bloomberg gave me and they said mike congratulations we can't give you that for at least five years here so so you take that and you run with it so that's what i did um, 
but yeah, working in sports was a lot of fun, but it was long hours and it was very low pay. So it's, it's a great job when you're out of college and you want to, you know, run and hustle. But like when, when Kim Kardashian was getting married to Chris Humphreys, like me and me and Hump were friends, <laughs> he would send me like happy Thanksgiving, happy Christmas, happy birthday texts. And like, I'm still in his Rolodex of his business phone that I get is, you know, yearly Merry Christmas. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah well, I, I'm sure you make more money betting on sports now anyway. So, yep. Uh, um, with, uh, so you also are affiliated with Sports Ethos. Is that right? Yeah. What is Sports Ethos? I, I went on there a little bit and I, I actually signed up because I wanted to see what it was all about. It looks like it's kind of like blog based, like article based. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that kind of, does that capture it? Yeah, so it's, it's very fantasy heavy audience, very basketball and fantasy basketball focused audience, um, which is which is great. I love those l- love those people, love the community, love the mindset that they bring to NBA betting. Just coming having a fantasy analytic focus helps when they're not just being public hooligans when I give out advice. But yeah, Sports Ethos is the company that I work for. Um, they publish all my podcasts that I do. I give out all my picks through them. And I think what's really special about Sports Ethos in comparison to some of the other things that you might find on Twitter or just some of these other like betting sites is there's actually a guy that works for Sports Ethos named Blake. I'll shout out Blake Lawatch right now. He's the head of the uh, wagering division for Sports Ethos. And what he what his role is, is he literally tracks all of us. So there's a few other handicappers in the sports ethos wagering group. There's people who cover all the sports. There's people who focus more on props. There's more people who do PGA and DFS golf and tennis and UFC and college sports. And a lot of the stuff I don't do. I, again, I only focus NBA and NFL. Um, but Blake literally tracks all of us. So I'll get a text message from Blake every week. Like Mike update your tracker. I need to blah, blah, blah. So, when everyone else on Twitter is pulling out their own stats and deleting their old tweets that actually lost and, and burying their stuff in the weeds and then reporting their stats and pinning the tweet that they, the one tweet that they swept the board and, and hit all their five unit locks of the day, which is complete horseshit. Also lock of the day. That's another complete curse word. That's a curse word. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. put, put that with parlay and, and, and burn it on fire. Um, so yeah, so Blake tracks all of us. So when he, and he tweets out all the stats. So, you know that when you join Sports Ethos as a subscriber, you're definitely getting people who are good at what they do, who have been having track success for a long time and and not just, again, people touting themselves as being able to do the eye test and then saying, you should put your money where my eye test is. Like, that's certainly not happening. What I subscribe and tell people is like, you should put money where our calculators are, where our, you know, implied probabilities are changing, where we're reading the market. So yeah, it's been it's been a very fun little over a year with me at sports ethos and we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah. I want to, I want to continue to check it out. I, I looked on it a little bit and I, um, I liked what I saw. I saw that you guys do a lot of different stuff and you are fantasy heavy, like you said, and I'm into fantasy basketball. Um, we're coming down to the last two days and I am in a, a four team race with 200 point spread and it's all wow. going into tomorrow. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to find out who wins the championship for our there fantasy basketball. But speaking of basketball, um, you mentioned that you love the NBA playoffs. Love Who, it. What do you What do you like about it? What do you What do you look for when you're picking a champion heading into the playoffs? <laughs> um, 
What do I look for when I'm looking for picking a champion? Or uh, or do you are or are you already do you already have somebody lined up? I have a personal question actually. Let yeah. me let me rephrase the question. Did you pick the Pelicans at the beginning of the season to win the championship? I had a ticket on them at, at 80 to 1 because of the value. You had 80 to 1? Oh my god, I got them at 55 to 1. That's way better value. Yeah, I mean uh, I, I, we we burned that on fire, but but yeah. Well, why, they're, why you they're going to make you ask about the Pels. Because I just had a feeling when you, I was listening to you talk on your podcast, and I had a feeling that you had a ticket on that one. I wanted, yeah, and I they're, also they're, have they're a dangerous team. You, you've never met a bigger Dyson Daniels fan than myself, right here. So when he's on the scene in a few years, you've heard you heard her here first that he's an absolute gangster on the court. Uh, yeah, Zion's the most unstoppable player in the NBA. So if he was healthy, they were going to be incredibly dangerous and underrated, and they had all the tools that you need. To when you are going to to look for a NBA champion, you need half court offense, you need defense, you need rim protection, you need shooting, and you need elite shot creation and scoring. So this year, I think it's you know when I it's actually like I, I it's tough for me to answer this question because I actually think that two things, Scott. One, when people ask me my sports opinion, I'm so aware of what's happening in the odds because I am a line movement capper. So I know who's steaming up in the futures market. I know that recently the Phoenix Suns, after Kevin Durant even came back, they were, you know, now they're, you know, with Kevin Durant, they are the clear favorite in the West. So if you're going to ask me who's, who's, who do you think is going to win? My own personal opinions have been so intertwined with just what's happening in the gambling market because I subscribe to it. I put my own money there. I put my own mouth there with my podcast. So if someone's going to ask me, Mike, what do you think? I'm only going to answer sons because I know that's what's happening with the people who are actually a lot smarter than me. So uh, I think it's going to be a sons Celtics finals. I think that was, that would be the make for the best and most interesting NBA playoffs. I, think the NBA playoffs have a lot less parity than everyone wants to, to talk about. I think everyone wants to talk about anyone can win the West. This is a wide open year. To me, that's total bullshit. I've heard that story for 20 years now at almost every year when we watch the league, except for those LeBron Curry years when it was Durant with the Warriors and LeBron in the East. And it was just, we know who's going to make the finals. Like even in the futures market, it was the Warriors were minus 175 those years to reach the finals. Like it was crazy how much they were as a favorite. Um, so I don't think there's parity in the NBA. So I think that's incredibly important to remember for the NBA playoffs is like, Hey, pick off first round favorites, like back first round favorites to cover the spread is formulated system approach. Take the one or the two seed. As long as they're a minus four or a minus 20 between a minus four and a minus 25 in the first round. Take them. So, so you, I'm going to throw a little, uh, I'm going to take a left turn here. You, yeah. you touched on it a little bit just now, because one of my questions, one of my big questions that I had question marks in my head is um, you mentioned that you have like sometimes 50% of your bankroll is in the futures market. Yeah. Is that so? So, um, but being a line movement better and then our capper and then, and then, um, uh, looking at like being a line movement capper and then the futures market, you, you really go into like steam and you really look at steam and like where, where yes. the, the big guys yes. are going. How yeah. do you use that in the futures market? How do you go in? 
Does that make sense? I, I know yeah. I'm not making any sense right now. No, but. no, no. Totally understand it. Uh, you you want to correlate all of these angles together. You even want to correlate steam in a gambling market with daily fantasy stuff. So like I entered a daily fantasy masters tournament right now. I know in the steam futures department, you know, this is a really bad example right now, but Brooks Kepka went from 25 to one down to 40 to one the day before the tournament. That was a horrible sign. That was a sign that if you got money on Brooks, get out of it. Like if you got Brooks in your DFS lineup, get out of it. Of course, he's winning the tournament right now. So like shame on me. But that's one of those things where I'll say, Small sample size theater. I don't care what happens in one-off. I don't care if Brooks ends up winning this tournament. It would have been the smart thing to get off Brooks. There's, We need to understand that these people are so much smarter than us. Scott, how come the Eagles were the biggest steam of the offseason last year? How come before the week one even kicked off, the Eagles had surpassed the Cowboys in the divisional race? You know? Because, like, because everybody was on it. Or not yeah, everybody, how but come, How come in the futures it? market... Right before the NBA draft, Paolo Bancaro became the odds on favor when Jabari Smith Jr. was leading the way for weeks. Like, why is this steam changing in the futures market? And it should really raise an eyebrow. So, like, Bancaro ended up being number one. Like, you know, last last season, if we had talked right now, we'd be saying, why are the Celtics so low in the futures market? We're saying that about the Suns right now. Why are the Suns, they haven't played together long enough, blah, blah, blah. Everyone, they, Who's their fifth guy? Who's their... I don't care. They have Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Chris Paul. Like, they will be fine. As long as they're healthy, they're going to be waltzing in. I see you got the Charles Barkley behind you. You might That's be right. a happy man in a few months. I was, I was, uh, I was loving your, your uh, prediction on that one. I, yeah, I mean, hey, it's again, is it my prediction or is it me understanding what's happening in the odds? So I, well, I, I just have blended my own sports takes with that. So that answers my question. I didn't think about how the futures market could. It's also a market. And yeah. you can you can find the indicators in the futures markets, too. Although, Scott, I do want to say right now, if you're trying to go into futures, now is the worst time to then attack a NBA futures market. If you think okay. that you can say, oh, my God, the playoffs aren't set yet, but I, I think it's going to be the Lakers versus the Grizzlies. So let me you know play it in this angle, because that's what whatever you think and whatever you expect to be the outcome is already priced in the exact percentage chance that the Lakers have to face the Grizzlies is factored into the odds that it's currently listed at. And then the exact percent chance of where that matchup would, everything is already calculated. So right now is a terrible time to get invested into the futures market because the playoffs are set. So the only way to gain value right now by grabbing a team in a futures market, as opposed to just playing them from a round by round or a game by game perspective is to then say, this team is going to crazy overperform expectations. So if you think, let's say Memphis is going to come out as world beaters and then go from, whoa, like they were they were favorites in round one to and probably underdogs in round two to, oh no, they're going to be the favorites in round two. So if you can get into a switch like that and one team that crazy overperforms, but just by going further and going an expected distance is not going to get you value. So if you grabbed a Celtics to reach the finals ticket now and the Celtics do reach the finals and your bet ticket does win, like good for you. I hope it gains some CLV between now and game one of the playoffs. But in reality, you'd be better off, even if they do make the finals, playing that round by round or game by game, because it is already baked in the the chance for the Celtics to miss the playoffs, even how low as that is from November, was priced into their odds. So you were getting that extra boost that, hey, this team might not even make the playoffs. Now we've gotten to the point where they are in the playoffs. 
We know who their matchup is. We know they are going to draw a really good first round matchup for them. We know that they are going to have home court advantage and their second round matchup is going to be against the 76ers versus Brooklyn Nets winner. And they match up incredibly well on both of those teams and will have home court advantage. So like those things are all priced into the futures market. If you are going to look at futures markets right now, look to the NFL. Like where is Lamar Jackson going to end up? Where is What's going to happen with the Tennessee Titans? Are they going to be crazy buyers in the market or are they going to be sellers? That's one team that might be shopping Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill and playing Malik Willis as a rookie QB and willingly going 2-15. and 15. They might try and bring in, they were like linked to Aaron Rodgers. They might try and bring in a different veteran quarterback. They might try and load up. They might try and bring in a bunch of people. And if that's the case... You know, their division sucks. Texans, Jaguars, Colts. That would be a very interesting team. So you want to try and latch on to some of these things far out in the future. Uh, so the best I, I time to do a futures bet is far out in the future, off season. That's the best time? Yeah, but then, of course, it's it's pending and it's waiting in your account for a lot longer. So, like, uh, uh, you know, NFL draft futures are good right now. I just think that if you like a few, you, you generally want to have a higher ROI in a futures market than you do straight betting because if you're tying up that wage wager or that amount in your account for a longer period of time and you can't recirculate and matriculate that into more bets, then you want to bring in a higher return. So for that reason, you do have to have a higher hit rate, a you know, you do want to target some longer odds and those longer props. I really, I don't like taking favorites in futures markets because one injury drastically changes things. And I'd rather get to the playoffs or get to that point in the season where I know, hey, this seems relatively healthy and then take it game by game. So I look long shots. I look futures. I, I, I'm constantly checking the futures market, Scott. Like I'm, I'm currently waiting for more NBA draft props to come out. I'm currently waiting for more NFL draft props to come out. Like I really, really, really want uh, Will Anderson top five. I really, really, really want Jalen Carter top 10. I will pay nearly whatever for those lines because I think, I think they're locks. Like if you gave me a minus 10,000 line on Jalen Carter to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, I'm taking it. And it sounds like bankroll management is also an important thing when you're doing futures markets too. Is bankroll that- management, unit exposure is important whenever. Like I, I know I, I threw water on the five unit lock. Like I call my max exposure a three unit bet. Uh, I, I call one unit is equivalent to 1.2% of my bankroll. I'll do this really quick for you, Scott. One unit is 1.2% of my bankroll, okay. which gives me, if I was going to lose money, 1.2 times 83 is 100 units, right? So I could lose up to 83 units before I go broke. But if I win five units, so if I go net plus five units, not just do I win five units, if I net plus five units. So if I lose three, I got to win eight. So if I net plus five units, I've increased my bankroll by 6%, right? Because five times 1.2 is 6%. So what I'm constantly doing is playing this game with myself, not to sound weird, but I'm saying, will I go plus five units before I go minus 83 units? So I, I constantly have a 1.2% of my account is my, is, is my unit. I'm going to try and increase my bankroll by 6% before I lose all my money. And once I get to that plus 6%, I hit the buzzer. I recalculate my, what my 1.2% is, and I start the game over. Once I'm winning, you want to scale up. You want your bets to get bigger as you're winning. Once I start losing... 
I don't freak out about it because I'm not concerned with losing. I know in long term, 95% of my bets have plus ELV, plus EV, plus CLV tickets. So I know it's going to come. I know I don't have to overreact. I know that with this low exposure, I have 83 units of wiggle room to lose. And Scott, if there's ever a day where I lose 83 units before I win five units, you, you've gotten yourself the answer. Stop sports gambling, right? Find a new hobby. So I have a lot of wiggle room. So what I'm constantly trying to do is say, can I get to plus five units before I get to minus 83? Reset the bankroll, scale up as I'm winning. And that's unit, that's bankroll management. And then unit exposure is just, I won't put more than three units on a line. I won't, I won't just go into a 76ers minus two and a half and put 5.5 units to win five. Like that is overexposing yourself. And even if you are doing this the right way, if you have one bad day, even if you have a ton of CLV, you might not win the bet. But if you have five units on four different lines and you have plus CLV on all of them, but you end up just losing them and you lose 20% of your bankroll over four bets, like that is just so unsustainable. Even with knowing that you're playing the numbers, there is a degree of variance that will kill you eventually. So that's why you need like... You can go to a blackjack table and play 100 hands. There will be a time if you play a million hands, there'll be a time where you lose 30 in a row. So that's why you need to, to, to you know, I say, like, imagine yourself as a boxer. You keep your gloves up and, and we're jabbing. We're not, we're not throwing haymakers. Like, those are the parlays. We're just throwing jabs and keeping ourselves protected. Michael? Thank you for going over all that stuff. Um, I have tons of other questions, so maybe you can come on again later, but I've taken yeah. up a lot wait, of your wait, time. Before I get out of here, okay, get out of here, we need to do the parlay example, and then I'll and then I'll. Oh, for that I wanted to give you? Okay, mm-hmm. so this is the example. So, um, le- so it's going to be in the player prop market. So if you have, if you do a lot of player props, and let's say that your unit size, I'm going to say a dollar amount, not the percentage, but let's say that your unit size is about $500 for each bet that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And with player props, you're capped out. You don't have, you can't get a certain amount of money on each bet. So you're capped out at 250 and you can only bet $250 on that player prop. Okay. But you have two player props that are, that historically in the last 10 years, you've won 62% of the time on this type of player prop. Mm-hmm. And you can't, there's no other way that you can find this, this bet on the market other than a, a parlay. Like, let's say like prize picks. I'm not a fan of prize picks. I think that they, they're a little tricky, but in a, pl- a prize pick parlay for player props, it comes out to being plus 200. That's how much you win if you have two of them together, if you put two of them together. And plus 200, as we know, is 33.3%. Right. But if you win those two player props historically 62% of the time, if you do the math on that, you'll win that that parlay 38% of the time. Yep. So if there's a 5% gap right there between 38% and 33%, is that something that you would go ahead and do that parlay? Yes. But I yeah. would I 62% is very unsustainable for me. Okay, yeah, I, this is a hypothetical it's yeah. hypothetical. Yeah. The, the, the Most people the, aren't getting 62%. The best of the best, like even the, the premier cappers, the guys who are in charge of betting syndicates, the guys who are cap, popping limits, 
betting hundreds of thousands of dollars in betting groups and and having angel investors and betting their money for them. Guys like Warren Sharp, right? Like he's the guru of NFL betting. Guys like Harala Bob Vulgaris for the NBA. Um, they're at 57% on a good season. They're at 56 consistently. Their their goal is 55% to, you know, bring home the needed money that they're going to, you know, cover their year in profit, whatever. So 62%. Yeah. I mean, listen, if I was, if I had a 62%, you'd have to knock down my door and find the crystal ball that I'm hiding in my apartment that sees the future. So if you're, if you're hitting 62% of it, is it, are those minus 110 lines? They can't be right. Because then you're, if, if the multiplier wouldn't be two to one. Usually with player props, it's it's minus 115 it starts at, and then it goes mm-hmm. all the way up to minus, I mean, 140, 145. But um, you're, you're right. With Obviously, if it's minus 145 and you're parlaying them, that's going to make Change a difference. Right. But on prize picks, there is no lines. Let me ask so, you something on prize picks. I'm not too familiar with it. On prize picks, do the odds change or is there just posted that like, like say uh, Jalen Brunson's point total comes out and it's 15 and a half and then Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are announced as out. Does Brunson stay at 15 and a half or is it going to change or like what? Like, will, is there will, line movement in this world? Is there there's no changing? line movement. The, but what would probably happen if two players are out, they'd probably just take it off the board. Right. But there's okay. no line movement. The line. Okay. So if it's a minus 145 or if it's a minus 110, they just post a number and that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'd so, have to, I'd have to do more deep digging into price picks. I, I honestly have just generally avoided the props market altogether. So I, I'm sorry. I can't give you the best answer on this, but the reason why I'm not a big props player is for that reason, right? Because I am a line movement tracker. We don't really have ways to track. And if you want to start a billion dollar company, here's your idea. You can do it. Have take the idea and run with it. Uh, create a website that tracks player props. I want to know where Brunson's point total opened on FanDuel and on DraftKings. And I want to know where it sits now. I want to understand what steam has been happening in the props market. And for me, I haven't been able to find that information unless I'm literally catching the lines when they're posted or literally just taking a screenshot of them and then coming back in a few hours and comparing the two screenshots or like having a friend tell me this is what I saw or seeing it on Twitter and saying, oh, I like this prop. And then I go to the market and I see the way that it's changed a little bit. Right. So I, I have so much inherent less information, these indicators that I talk about, these betting splits, we'll get into them next time, that I don't really attack the props market as much. So it's hard for me to talk about price picks or things like that because that's just not where I invest my energy. Well, I have the homework for the rest of my life. I'm going to create a player's prop market. That's yeah, seriously. What, that's what it, I'm going to get on. It's absolutely brilliant. I have a lot more of brilliant ideas Uh designs for candles beach chairs we can get into that on another pod all right we definitely will where <laughs> can we find solver. where can we find you michael uh you can follow me on twitter at mfiddle 14 that's where i release all my podcast links all of my uh best bets and posted are there you could join the sports ethos wager pass discord channel we do have a 75 percent off coupon going right now promo code absurd for 75 percent off the first month um you could listen to my podcast, The Advantage. And just like you give Scott a five stars, you can give me a five stars as well if that's how you feel. And if, and you, don't, if you don't think this episode's a five stars, just wait to the next one in which you do think it is a five stars and then drop it then. 
but I think this one's a five stars, especially for our standards. Oh yeah, We're, but, we 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 certainly crushed it. And you, your podcast is a five stars. I love it, Michael. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate you having me, Scott. Anytime. All right, that was a really good interview with Michael Fiddle. It was a good introduction to Michael Fiddle because he has a similar betting style to us at You Bet Smart. And he's on Sporth Ethos. And then he also has the Advantage Podcast. The Advantage Podcast is a really good podcast. I loved in particular the one where he talked about the six different styles of betting. And we got into it a little bit, but we didn't get into it completely. So hopefully we have him back on and we can like really get into the weeds with it. Um, but Chris, we have a couple questions from some subscribers on dub club. What are the questions? So the first one is actually one thing that I've been wondering too. So let's say you guys have under eight on a baseball game for plus 100, but I, I'm on multiple betting accounts and I have it. I can get that eight for, plus 100 but i can also get under eight and a half for minus 120 what should i take because if it's eight and a half i can if it hits eight i'm good but if i bet it at plus 100 with the under eight if it, hit, it hits eight i just break uh it cancels bet out so this is a perfect question for michael fiddle and we'll, let's bring him back on right now. <laughs> no, just kidding. We don't have him. Um, but this is what he was talking about. If you just heard, he was talking about, it wasn't with baseball, it was with NBA. But he was talking about how there's certain lines in the spread in NBA where like, he particularly pointed out on plus one, minus one, where it's a 5% chance that it's going to land on plus one, minus one. And that 5% chance is also equivalent to the 5% that a minus 110 bet is. So in a minus one situation in the NBA, if you can get that extra plus one and a half, it won't land on it 5% of the time. So then you want to take that extra half a point in the NBA. So your example was in baseball. It's different than NBA. Um, but the key thing in your uh, question was the 20 points. So it's a difference between plus 100 and minus 120. And there's a reason why when you're, if you're a subscriber on Dub Club and you get the pick, there's a, I saw that there's both of them. There's a reason why I pick the one. And, and I do, it happens way more than you can imagine. It happens a lot. And I'm constantly deciding which one to pick. And it's just a mathematical equation. And in your in this particular instance, it's a 20-point difference, which is, it's a big percentage, which if you look at the MLB in this instance, if it's going to land on eight, how often does it land on eight? It happens like three and a half percent of the time, but a 20 point difference between minus 120 to like plus 100 is more than three and a half percent. So you're getting more out of the plus 100, bringing it down 20 points than the half a point that you get. So to answer your question, it's, it's on an individual basis, but the individual basis, I'm going to pick the right one. 
So if you can pick the one that is in the feed, that if when you're on, um, what's it called? Telegram. When you're on Telegram and you get the pick, the one, the pick that I pick, that's the one to pick. And if you have to pick the other one, just fall back on the other one. It's also good. So I don't, so here's a better answer to your question. I don't pick one. If, if I see like two or three different lines and I have to pick the best one, but the other one I wouldn't pick, it doesn't make it. Okay. I, I completely, I don't even send it out. That makes sense. So like if it's, so in your, in your instance, it was eight, it was under eight plus 100 and it was under eight and a half minus 120. Both are good, but I'm just picking the best one. Okay. But if both aren't good, doesn't even go out. Yeah. That's what I figured. I, me personally, I'm just very cautious. So I was choosing the under eight and a half, but, uh, yeah, I'll definitely start doing the, the taking what you guys recommend. If I can get that instead of getting that extra half a run or if it's in hockey, half a point. Yeah. In a, in a general rule of thumb, it's better to take whatever's closer to plus 100 because as you get closer and closer to plus 100, the percentages get a lot larger. So like the difference between minus 110 and plus 100 is huge. But the difference between minus 410 and minus 400 is nothing. Like that that's a 10 point difference. It's literally like almost nothing. And then the 10 point difference of minus 110 and plus 100 is huge. It's like two and a half percent. But the 410 and the 400 is like 0.1%. So the larger you get up, it doesn't matter. But the closer you get to plus 100, it matters a lot. Perfect. If that makes sense. No, that was a great answer. Um, I had something else that I wanted to say, but I can't remember it. Well, I'll go into the next question. And then if you can think of it, okay, just bring it back up. So uh, one of our subscribers, Nick from New York, was asking, uh, so yesterday, which would be Friday, there were no player prop bets. And uh, would you? I kind of answered him, but I think everyone else that didn't text me, which there's actually a more than just him. There are quite a few people that texted me or got on, got at me on Twitter asking like, is there something wrong? Like why are there no player props? Well, the, so the player, just to give it everybody a little, if you already don't know, player props are our bed and butter, bread and butter. Is it bread and <laughs> bread butter? and butter? It's a bed and breakfast. <laughs> But the player props are a big thing at You Bet Smart. We do about 40% of the bets right now are player prop bets. And player prop bets have a significantly higher win rate than the team bets. And so the player props, I can see why they're popular. Um, the thing about player props is the way that the algorithm is set up and the model that we go off of is it's the, the percentage, the winning percentage of player props is maximized the closer you get to the middle of the season. So let's say it's the NBA or the NHL season. The closer we get to the NBA, the middle of the season, the higher the percentage of win rate is going to happen. So when you get, it's like a bell curve. So when you get closer to the beginning of the season and to the end of the season, the win rate goes down drastically. So you might notice now Jake can Jake's not here uh, he's at a festival right now. You might. Oh, we, we heard about him yeah, earlier. He's at baby he, burning man, baby burning man, <laughs> the lucidity festival. He's having fun. But 
Jake could get into this a little bit more because he handles the player props. But with player props, he'll tell you that at the beginning of the season, end of the season, you don't get as many picks because the winning rate goes down. So right now, we're at the end of the NBA season. We're at the end of the NHL season. And then that's coupled with we're at the beginning of the MLB season. So we're not going to get a whole lot of picks. I was actually surprised that we don't... I was surprised that we have as many NHL props as we have because we have a lot of player props in the NHL and it's like the last five games of the season. I think Jake's been killing it at NHL player props that he's like, you know what? I'm just going to write it out to the end of the season. So he's actually had a lot more than you would normally at this time. There would be days or a week. We would go like a whole week without a player prop, but we just had one day, which is a lot more than the normal. Yeah, and uh, like Jake talked about earlier, the baseball one, uh, he didn't get into the fact that there's a new rules, but he he wanted to make sure that what was going to happen with these new rules, if it would change things drastically. And uh, I think it's kind of changed a little bit. I remember uh, Matt was talking last, uh, uh, who had it on last week, was texting us on the side saying home runs are way, way up, wasn't he? He was saying home runs are way up, so... Yeah, it, it, Jake's very close. His robots are working hard, but baseball should be coming out pretty soon. Um, do you guys do basketball and NHL in the playoffs for props? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. it's just at the end of the season. So with the NHL and NBA going out at the end of the season, I mean, if you play fantasy, you know this. The players, like, they sit them. Uh, a lot of games don't matter at the end of the season. So there's teams that are out of the playoffs. There's teams that are locked into their playoff seed. There's teams that have clinched. So they do a lot of weird things that our data can't pick up because there's not enough data to say like, you know, Milwaukee just sat their entire starting five. The other day they sat even their bench players, which I don't even know how you could do <laughs> that. So they, they bring, did. Did they bring up guys from the D? Yeah. G League? They sat the top five starters and then they sat the top three bench players, which is their eight man rotation that they do. It f- fucked me over on my fantasy. So that's why <laughs> I know about this. And I'm still obviously pissed off about it. I had Bobby Portis that I needed to put in a, uh, power forward slot and he didn't even play and he's a backup power forward but anyways i digress um i don't even know what i'm saying now i'm all pissed off about this fantasy <laughs> basketball <laughs> so uh uh hockey though, though i think is a little different though because we all agree that the nba is pretty soft now and they sit their guys a lot more um i haven't as a, someone who has watched hockey in the past, but doesn't pay attention too much. I don't see a lot of guys sitting for rest days uh, in hockey they towards, don't, the end, the, towards the end of the season. So they don't do that. And hockey doesn't have back-to-back nights, so yeah. they're not going to do that. Yeah. But then also that's probably why we di- haven't had any NBA player props because Jake notices that like the, the, the rosters are crazy. Like the starting lineups are completely different than the regular season, but hockey leading into the playoffs, they still run their guys because of conditioning. Cause hockey's a lot about like getting on the ice running. like, they're basically sprinting for two minutes and then they're off the ice and then they're back on. So they have to keep their conditioning up. So they, and also with hockey, they have three teams of five and they're, they're more of a team in the NBA. They're stars and you sit the stars, 
But in NHL, it's a team. So like if one guy goes out, it's still like they can risk that mm-hmm. and go. So with hockey, they don't really rest their guys because of conditioning and it's a team sport. Um, so that's why I think that's why we had, we even had player props today, I believe today, Saturday, April 8th. And I think we had some player props on the NHL. I think there was like six or seven that Jake did, which is pretty, which I is, think, I think there a lot of them were the overs shots on. There's goals. been a lot of overs yeah. lately with those. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is maybe because at the end of the season, there's not a whole lot of defense. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just talking out of my ass. Yeah, right I know. If, if Jake was sitting here, I'm looking at his empty chair right now. He'd but probably he, say something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to get things out of him, but if he was here, I'm sure he would uh, have an opinion on it. But uh, yeah, so basically to answer the question, that's the end of the season. So the prop bets are really hard to find because you don't know who's going to be playing. And then with baseball starting, it's a new, new rules, right? Exactly. It's, it's new rules, but with baseball, it's basically just because it's the start of the season. Oh. Even if it, even let's say all the rules were the same, he still wouldn't put them out. Okay. Because he usually likes to wait a certain amount of games. So with baseball, he probably waits. Like the thing about baseball player props is a lot of you bet smart player props are based around strikeouts. That's You're right. going to see mid once we're into June and July, there's going to be like all these strikeout every day. There's going to be strikeout player props. And the thing about pitch starting pitchers is they only pitch like 32 times a year. Uh, if they, if they pitched every single time that their rotation came up, it would be 32 times. But like, so they, they did a starting game. So we got one game and then they came out 10 games, five games later and they did another game. So we have to build up data. So it takes some time for baseball. So whether or not there is a rule change or not, it's going to take some time for baseball to come out. Once we get to June, July, August, there's going to be a lot of player props for baseball. Um, but we're also going to see NHL and NBA come back because the playoffs are going to start. And that means something. I have a feeling you've been talking a lot about overs. We have, we've had over player props for NHL and we've had some overs for the NBA too, a lot more than we normally do. I have a feeling we're going to see some unders coming in because it's playoff time and that's a completely different game. And all of a sudden defense is going to kick into gear that hasn't been playing the entire season. And now in the playoffs, we have a lot more fans that come in and all of a sudden want to play. All of these fans all of a sudden want to bet. All these fans want to see a lot of scoring and they're going to be betting on the overs. And now we're going to see some unders coming in. I have a feeling we'll we'll see what happens. You guys are always the unders guys. In the past we have been. And now we're we're going to actually see it. (laughs) I don't know. I'm getting excited. I think we're going to have, I think in the past for NBA and NHL in particular, NHL and NBA playoffs, for player props is probably the most profitable time of mm-hmm. the season. So starting like May to to June, the May month into like a little bit into June is like the most profitable time for player props for NBA and NHL. So I'm excited. Oh, to see I am it. too. Um, well, let's stick with, well, let's move on to, away from mailbag and let's get into Chris's corner. This is like one of my favorite segments because we get into a little bit about um, a little bit in the weeds about the business of of you bet smart. Um, I don't know which one you want to take tackle first. Let's go with the internet 
and what's happening on social media and Twitter. Yeah. So both accounts are approaching 1500 followers. Um, So what we, when we did the March madness thing, I think we were about to hit 500. So the live show. So I think that's about a thousand in a month, three weeks. So it's, it's growing fast. We're making a lot of connections on there. Michael fiddle, who you guys just heard, uh, I found him on Twitter, uh, AK from the Millie Goats, uh, found him on Twitter. Uh, it's a nice little community that we're growing on there. And then uh, we just started uh, the YouTube channel and uh, we've only put up two videos, which are both the interviews. So for now, it's just going to be whatever interviews we do with people. Um, so the first two were just the mailbags with, uh, Jeffrey and Matt, who are two subscribers. And then this one that's going to go up is going to be with Michael fiddle. And that's going to be a long form one. It's like an hour. You guys just heard it, but, uh, you can find us on YouTube at, uh, you, you bet smart. Just look it up. The letter U bet smart and, uh, Twitter, uh, you guys already know where to find us on Twitter. But yeah, everything's growing good, growing good. And then I think uh, we're going to go on Instagram here in a little bit. All right. Um, Got to get that figured out. Uh, and TikTok too, right? Yeah, and get TikTok. That too. Uh, I started making some videos on TikTok. I don't like them so far, but got decent reaction on them. But that was on my own personal TikTok. I, haven't put it, I wanted to practice on there before I put them on yours because... Uh, yeah, they're they're weird. I, I know a lot of people are on TikTok and I'm not the most uh I don't know the word I'm trying to use, but they they're very people are very creative on there and I'm trying to figure out what avenues to go down there. I, I have some ideas, but uh for now I'm just putting out either copies of our bets that we're doing or just a quick little thirty second thing where I say, Hey, this is Chris with you, Bet Smart, and this is our pick. So yeah, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter, Twitter are already going, but we got those other three that we need to do. And then also Discord too. We're on Discord. If you're on Discord, there's not a whole lot of people on there, but join the Dub Club server on Discord. We give out a lot of free picks on on yeah. uh, on all these social media platforms. So Twitter, uh, I haven't checked what I think we won the first one today, but be going in today today to today i think we were nine and five but you're up like eight units so if you're a hundred dollar better and you just bet those two that i give out every day you'd be up 800 bucks that's <laughs> like, for this month or yeah just okay for eight this month. days you in the you last just, eight days yeah you'd be up 800 dollars if you just bet a hundred on each game it i i'm a little impressed by how i'm picking these which it's not too far off of what you guys are doing the winning percentages I mean, it's actually pretty far off. And I think uh, last month, far off? it yeah. seems like it is. Oh, that's I, right. Yeah, it is. I, I'm back at 70%. Again. I mean, 70% last, yeah, compared to like true. 56% yeah, is insane. That's true. I'm sorry. I, I, I You're being was, humble right now. Yeah, I was trying to say, because I, I don't, I'm not doing anything special. I'm literally just taking two games and it depends on what time they put the picks out. And I want to give enough time that people can bet on them. So I'll bet it like three out or put it out for a game that's like three or four hours ahead. And yeah, you'd be at nine and five was the record of right. this month. But I think yeah. last month, last month it was, was like 69 and 
32 or something crazy like that. Uh, those numbers could be way off. It was 69% was what it was. Maybe that's why we're not getting as many subscribers as we want because <laughs> you're giving, everybody's making money off the free picks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'll start picking some dogs. <laughs> yeah. You better start picking some losers, man. No, that's great. Um, yeah. Sign up on dubclub.win. And uh, if you DM us, we'll give you some big discounts yeah. for the first month. I mean, we even have one that's going out 50% right now. Um, uh, I also want to talk about your recommendations. Chris, you, you have really good recommendations. Um, well, you got a couple this week. I got two. So speaking of unders, I have uh, some friends from down under that have a podcast and it's called uh, Any Given Sunday Australia Podcast. Find them on Twitter at AGSA uh, podcast and uh, just search on YouTube for any given uh, Sunday Australia and uh, hosted by three guys T Mac TC24 and Danny Webb uh, they're three guys from Australia that love NFL football and they've had some really good interviews with uh, current and former NFL and college player and coaches great podcast just just hooked up with them and i i ran through a bunch of their stuff they, they, they're really good and it's cool because they're from a, a country that i wouldn't think uh, the nfl would be that popular but and it's, it's apparently it is so is it really so yeah. the nfl is pretty popular in australia yeah. it's pretty popular everywhere but i would i thought down there more like rugby because they got oh, rugby yeah. that's where rugby originated i think right or Could be. it's where it's re- very popular and soccer is very popular down to, yeah. there too but uh nfl is too so check them out and then i also have another one uh it's a vegas bench warmers podcast uh their twitter is at lv bench warmers and you can search again on youtube vegas bench warmers it's hosted by Eric and Jeremy, uh, two guys from Vegas who uh, love to talk sports. Their show goes live, I believe, at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. Um, so they just do a live one every time. Really good guys. Uh, they just talk sports and debate a little bit. And uh, yeah, really, I would definitely check them out too. So Vegas Benchwarmers podcast and the Any Given Sunday Australia podcast. Those are the two. Awesome. And then sign up for You Bet Smart at dubclub.win. Search You Bet Smart. DMS for the 50% off. Um, check out Michael Fiddle on Sports Ethos. Check out the Advantage podcast. It's such a good podcast. Um, I really love he, everything that we're in line with for sports betting. He is also in line with. Uh, check that out. Michael Fiddle, the Advantage podcast. And um, check out Jake at the Lucidity Festival. He might be dancing on stage right now. I'm sure there's like a YouTube live (laughs) video that you can watch on that one. All right, guys. Thanks for listening this week. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you.